I think we've just got to hand it to Toronto FC at this point. Not once this season have we done one of these shows and not had something major to talk about in this week. Absolutely no different. My name is Mitchell Tierney. This is Waking the Red Weekly, presented by Footy Talks. And on an international break edition of the show, have we seen the last of Josie Altador at Toronto FC? More injury problems and, of course, a big, big summer for both national teams. To help us break all that down, we'll be joined by Joshua Cloak of The Athletic. About 15 minutes or less. Can't wait to get his take on all the things Toronto FC and all these recent happenings. But first, as always, joined by Michael Singh, Jeffrey P. Nesker. I mean, I can probably guess how you guys are uh, doing this week. Get out of here. Going. <laughs> I hate you, Mitch. Mitch is, Mitch is just gloating. Gloating <laughs> after his Habs knocked out our Toronto Maple Leafs last night. And, man, I'm still in a little bit of a state of depression here. Like, that was, you know, I've been a Leaf fan my entire life. And... That was pretty bad. That was up there. That was up there. But I tried to turn to Toronto FC last night, see if I can, you know, help, you know, lift my spirits. Did not help. No. <laughs> it did not help. Yeah, I think I think we're, uh, or at least you guys are banking on the national team at this point, and we'll get to them uh, a little bit later on in the show because uh, you know there's there's at least some some hope uh, when it comes to to those two teams and, and what they've been up to lately as they go into a big summer. But, you know, I think we got to start with the the biggest topic right now in, in Toronto FC going into this international break. And that's the, the Josie Altador situation, um, you know, begins with a report uh, out of ESPN.com from Jeff Carlisle, who of course reported back in preseason that Altador is potentially um, looking to move. He said this time um, that Altador was training on his own after a confrontation with head coach, Chris Armas, Altador, of course, was not in the lineup this past weekend against the Columbus crew. Toronto FC not commenting too much publicly on this other to say, other than to say they're taking this international break to consider um, the best options for club and player as they go forward and, and try and sort this situation out. Uh, I guess thoughts, guys. I mean, you know, we, we knew this was going to be an interesting season when it came to Josie Altador, but it just keeps, uh, uh, the, the plot just keeps adding at this point. Keeps getting thicker, man. Yeah. Um, I said I said this on our Twitter Spaces for anyone who managed to catch that <laughs> after what, Saturday's game. I think Jeff and I and and Mike Newley went for what like an hour and a half, two hours. A, lo- a, lo- a long time. My and my dinner was cold when I. It was a long time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so there's there's a lot to really dig into here. What I will say, and I said this again on our Twitter Spaces, is that I don't believe that that is the full story with Josie Altador. I don't. I think that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of how deep that conversation went between him and Chris Armis. Um, I think there's a lot more details that that may come out. Maybe we might not even hear the full story, but I don't think that that report by Jeff Carlisle does the entire story kind of justice. So, I mean, we we've seen we've seen what's happened with Josie Alter in the past with this club. Right. This ain't his first rodeo. Exactly. This isn't his first rodeo. And each time let's let's think back to, you know, when he called out Toronto FC, Bill Manning in particular, for what was it, like banishing Sebastian Javinko's trainer? Um something like that back in twenty eighteen. And then obviously at twenty twenty, which is actually one of my first days live on the beat and one of my first times actually speaking to Josie Altador was when he called out the club for the handling or mishandling of Michael Bradley's injury. So Josie Altador is, isn't afraid to kind of put himself in the spotlight. 
Um, and what a shame it would be to see a club legend, another club legend, go out like this for Toronto FC. I'm going to, I'm going to take advantage of your segue because you really, one, you really want to believe that Josie calling out the Seba trainer was pre Seba leaving. It wasn't, it was after Seba had left. And like I said, on the, uh, on the, on the, on the spaces, you know, Josie, he's outspoken guy, but you, you know, sometimes you got to read the room and uh, you know, you can argue about how and why he was given his extension, but to ignore that it, that some of it wasn't knee jerk by 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 result of Seba, Victor, Tim, you know the whole team jumping ship basically uh, would be a fool's errand. And and you know when you look at the other players, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use Michael Bradley as an example here. Uh, you know, working behind the scenes, not making his contract uh, 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 shenanigans about the team. Being very careful to to keep that in the back, and then taking a pay cut so that we could we could up on on another DP. This has got to really aggravate the team in a really profound way because not only do they trust him with money, but he was there when Seba made it about him in 2018, and I think this outburst uh, 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 supersedes Seba's outburst. Right, Seba just took place in the locker room. We found out about it later while we were raging about the injuries and the and the CCL and the and the and the post MLS Cup hangover. Josie's making it public during a pandemic year while they're playing away from home. I don't like that. I don't like that about this situation. It seems like, you know, if you're gonna poke a bear in a zoo, poke a bear in a zoo, but there's got there have got to be consequences <laughs> for stepping this far outside the lines when recent history uh has shown, you know, that the if you're gonna poke a kindly that if you're going to poke a bear in the zoo, poke a bear in the zoo. Your analogies are, are the best in the game. Let me just point that out first. Listen, listen, you can't have your cake and eat it too. If you're going <laughs> to poke a bear in the zoo, you're going to get bit. The expectation that you're not going to get any 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 uh, consequence for being an ass, it doesn't it doesn't wash, right? So, so, so mm-hmm. you say Josie made this public. Was it Josie Altador that made this public? Even if he didn't, you know he didn't stop it from spiraling out of control. And the man is on, the man is extremely online. So, you know, if he's got the time to call out Taylor Twelman, he's got the time to put a cap on this. The fact that he didn't speaks volumes to, to whether, you know, who cares if, if he instigated it or not. Right. Like, yeah, he, he did you know, do that to your point. He did do that after the rumors, this, uh, exactly. Season, when exactly. It was when, uh, Greg Berhalter came out and said that, you know, clubs are calling him to inquire about Josie Altidore. Um, and, you know, that was same same guy, Jeff Carlisle, put out the report where he had a coming together with, with Ali Curtis about his contract situation. And what did Josie Altidore tweet? The devil's working overtime or something like mm-hmm. that a day later. Yeah. This time we're not hearing any of it. So it, as, you know, Mitch kind of alluded to kind of off the bat, could this be the, the beginning of the end for Josie Alter here at Toronto FC? And I think I think um, it's been the beginning of the end for a very protracted three seasons. I hate that it's ending this way, but I agree with you, Mike. If they can find a way, you know, it, the the details, the devil is in the details. And and one of the tweets that said that that TFC have been looking to move Josmer since the beginning of the season probably alludes to the fact they've been trying to move Josmer for a lot longer than the beginning of the season. And they haven't. And, uh, you know, you've said if they can find a way 
Uh, and at this point, hurt egos are, are par for the course. Nobody is getting out of this with, with, you know, with, with clean hands. Uh, if they can find a way, it's probably for the best for everybody involved. Mitch, what are your thoughts? Because you're staying silent down there, buddy. Well, Mitch loves Don Dwyer, and he's and and that means Dwyer jumps up the depth chart. He's hot. He's hot. I don't know if I love Don Dwyer that much. That I hope that he hop up the depth chart. I, I think, yeah, like I said in my column, and, and like you said uh, um, just now. I mean, the, the biggest thing is just you know it's unfortunate that we see another Toronto star go out this way. I mean. It, in some ways, you know, the situations are all very different. Some were out of the control, uh, like sort of out of the club's control. I think this one in particular might be um, the Di Rosario one a while back definitely was not out of the club's control, it would seem. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's levels, you know, you can't paint them all with the same brush. But, you know, when you're, when you're a top club like this, any team, you want to see the players that have really come through for you, you know, leave the club in, in a good way. And this seems like another situation where a player is going to leave Toronto FC having done so much for the club in, in a bad manner. And, and that, that is disappointing. Yes, Jeff. I'm burning here because you, we all know it's complex, but mm-hmm. if we can go by the, by the, by the knee jerk hot takes that we've been uh, disseminating on the WTR boards, most people and sports fans like to see things in a myopic sort of black and white view. We do not want to establish a precedent here, right? And mm-hmm. the danger here is that Josie knew full well, full well that this was a this was a bone of contention with our club. It's not that far removed from history that it's not primarily on all of our minds. So for him to do this, and and it could just be negligence. I mean, saying some, saying nothing is is just as bad as saying something in some cases, and and this is one of them. You know, it's a tacit attempt to create a precedent. Nobody is bigger than the club. Uh, you know, we we tried to prove that with Seba. And if Josie has to be another skull on the mantelpiece, then so be it. Because I don't I don't want this club cowtailing to player demands. And the other thing that I really don't like, and and this was Josie's opportunity to speak up, is that it's so easy for people to infer from what we've been delivered that Josie is like, well, Chris is screwing up the team and taking absolutely no accountability for his performances on field, right? It's an easy stretch of the imagination to make, and he's done nothing to dissuade people from making that stretch of the imagination. So his house is not in order. And he, you know, you know, pardon my French, but his, but his poo don't stink. Um, and, and I think the club, you know, unfortunately, at a certain point, you got to cut your losses, and it doesn't matter who you are. And I think we figured that out with Seba. And, uh, you know, if Josie wants to wants to try a spin on the wheel of doom, that's his prerogative. But it is it's unbelievably frustrating that he is. I mean, we have a gold standard here, and that's Michael Bradley. He's the gold standard and he's in the same damn locker room. Right. Like be better. That's I think that's what that's all I need to say there. It's interesting because we haven't heard about heard from Michael Bradley on this matter. And we know that Michael Bradley knows he's. Yeah, I, and I know that Michael Bradley and Josie Altador are are really good friends. So I'm interested to hear kind of where where Michael Bradley's head is at in all of this. And I mean, when he speaks to media, it won't be won't be candid, right? It exactly. won't be mm-hmm. exactly. We, like you know what I mean? People people are raising pause for coming out and saying. And I love how you included his little backtrack every time you quote it, right? Because I think that's important. And and uh uh you know. People are expecting that if Mike's gonna Mike is gonna come out, he's gonna tell it like it is. No, it's a political exercise, right? Like you're still gonna have to 
read between the lines. There's still going to be a lot that can be uh, subjective. So, you know, as much as I'd like to hear what Michael Bradley has to say, it won't be like I'm sitting at a bar stool getting the nitty gritty, right? It's going yeah, to be we, we might not. So I, I know we're, we're sort of exiling Josie Alta there, there but mm-hmm. we might not hear the full story of all of this until a couple of years down the road, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as, as Jeff said, I wholeheartedly agreed. No one is bigger than the club. Um, so if Josie Alter, let's say hypothetically, he is making it about him and not the club, then, you know, okay. But what if he is trying to do this for the better of the club and then maybe they didn't like the way he went about it, right? There is a possibility in, in some universe that a couple years later, maybe even a couple months later, when this whole story comes out, people will be like, whoa, what, what Josie was saying was, was actually correct. Seba with Manning in the press box taking in a game, right? Absolutely. It's just, you know, even, even if it's altruistic from Josie's perspective, there are channels, there are internal channels, right? You know, all it would have taken is a tweet after the Carlisle that's, story. It's never dropped. been Josie Altador, though. That's never but, been but, Josie. But but fine. But but you know, given the ben- it's been days now. So so even if it was like a flush of anger because he is high tempered and we love him for it, but to come out and say I was wrong. You know, we're dealing with this internally. Maybe maybe not even to say I was wrong, but to say I went about it the wrong way. You but know, because- he literally hasn't said anything about it. He is handling it dead. internally. That's damn. No, it isn't because he's letting he's letting the court of public opinion write the narrative because he thinks he can rest on the court of public opinion. So every time someone writes an article about him, he's going to tweet out the devil's working overtime. You're, that's a very, very, very fair point. You're, that's a very fair point. You know, I would there's... argue I would argue that this is in any other article. This is in any old article. That would be right. But he literally just did it three months ago. So mm-hmm. what I do, what I will say is that I do think there is something to this to the fact where. Tron FC are seriously going to be evaluating Josie Altador's future at this club. Um, there's Without a chance question. that, as Mitch said at the top, this is the last time that TFC fans would have seen Josie Altador take the pitch. And to kind of sum it all up, in my opinion, and I've said this in the past, if Tron FC can find a way to get out of Josie Altador's contract, albeit in unfortunate circumstances, it would be one of the best things to happen to this club right now because Josie Altador has not been worth a designated player contract for two and a half seasons. He, you know, when he signed that deal originally, I think personally he was worth a designated player contract. Um, you know, he was scoring like there was no tomorrow. He was one of the best scorers in major league soccer. And a part of that also had to do with the fact that Sebastian Javinka was leaving and, you know, they wanted to, tie down one of the cornerstones of this franchise um, before, you know, things kind of got carried away there. So I think the the deal itself was fine originally, but it's caught up to them because Josie Althur's health hasn't been up to par. Um, His ability to stay on the pitch, of course, hasn't been up to par. And when he is on the pitch, his his performance just haven't been up to par. So if TFC can find a way to get out of Josie Althur's contract, bring in a player like a Pozuelo or a Soteldo up top, I mean this team gets that much better and gets that much closer mm-hmm. to winning a championship. So in my opinion, if they can find a way out, like just strictly soccer speaking, it is better for the club, but the fashion they're doing it in, it's just, it's not ideal. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I, uh, agree. I think that's all fair. And, and we do know Tron FC have at least entertained moving Josie Altador since the start of the season. Um, 
they've at least looked into it based on a, a number of reports and things we've heard. So um, I think, yeah, I think it's it's starting to get more towards the point where this is fairly I, inevitable. I, I think the club was also trying to have their cake and eat it too. I think they were looking at situations where they would get a transfer fee, where they'd be, you know, and and you know, put him in the shop window, have him succeed, and then move him on because right now they're looking at a serious loss. Uh, but I think that that bridge is that we've crossed that bridge, and at this point they're now entertaining offers from anywhere. I mean, they're you know, I know he has a no trade clause within MLS. Uh, but I think they're leaving no stone unturned now, and they'd be willing to take a loss just to get him off the books. And that's sad. That's really, really, really sad. But, but mm-hmm. you know, I don't think anybody's blameless in this situation. Uh, I don't know where the pendulum lies. You know, I was very much on Team Seba until a lot. I mean, I always, Victor was, was a foregone conclusion. I mean, the guy wanted a paycheck. Uh, we got him for a song. He got, he got us the championship. It hurt. It sucks. It's terrible watching him with the galaxy, but no one, no one stood in the way. Um, you know, Seba, Seba was trying to game the system, uh, and he was a lot more insidious than that. So, you know, it, it, only when details started to come out about what he was doing inside the locker room did did I really start to change my opinion on on Seba on his way out. My my issue with Josie, I'm, I'm not going to walk in circles. Is he should be better. You should know better. I mean, you're an adult in a in a professional capacity. I know that you're a hothead, but Sometimes you got to eat the shit sandwich. I'm sorry, I swore there. But, you know, sometimes you do. And, uh, uh, you know, if you really love the club and you really, you know, listen, everybody's burnt out. We're all, we're all so burnt out. But, but you know, be better, man. Like, it's a pandemic. Yeah. We're playing in Orlando. Like, be it's better. It, it's not it's about you. It's interesting that you said that we're going to take a loss, hypothetically, on Josie Altador. Mm-hmm. I mean, per- perhaps. But I think in the, the global transfer market, we look at the price they paid for Jefferson Soteldo. You're going to make that up in, in the transfer market because you can go after clubs who are financially you know, burdened right now because of the p- global pandemic. And I think you could find deals around the world that would help you make up that loss. Like whatever it is, like two, three million, whatever that loss would be. I don't think it would be anything significant. Like what are you getting for Josie Altador? You're not... Like when you say loss, I'm interested. Well, what are you basing that off of? Well, I mean, we won't get a transfer fee. That's for sure. We'll leave on a free. <laughs> he's 31 right? years old. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. That, but he's still Josie Altador, right? Like it's, it's still saying goodbye to that imaginary influx of cash. If that anything, all like if he can get out of this contract, that's they're saving. Well, that's money. What, that's that's what I mean. Like in <laughs> that's sweat worth equity, more than in, his in BS. I agree. I absolutely agree. But before they were trying to have their cake and eat it too. They were trying to get rid of the 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 hot head, but at the same time, you know, uh, 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 fill their coif- other coffers. So or they I, believed I think, in Josie out there, and that fact he could bounce back. Sure, sure. Right? But I, I do I do think that it's been a long time since the front office truly and honestly believe that and that's just supposition on my part but like we're talking years here you know what i mean um yeah, yeah. that's nah. in 2019 he was pretty good oh i'm not talking 2019 i'm talking 2020 i think a i think pandemic that's years years is in the two it, years <laughs> yeah yeah in a pandemic again it's supposition on my part and it's arrogant supposition in my part but i think you know in the same, let, let me put it this way: in the same way that we've heard from a bunch of coaches across all sports that this was like an extended uh, preseason camp and it brought the team together and all those wonderful buzzwords. I do think that when you're all in the same room together, 
you know, you get a lot sicker of the of the of the worst parts of somebody's personality a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. That's a so, lot of Josie Altador slander, man. That's I'm a not lot. slandering. I love the guy. I love the guy. But would you want to be roommates with him when he's pissed off? You know what I mean? Would you want to sit across at the cafeteria when he's in a bad mood? I don't know. For maybe maybe for two days, but by day five, I'm like, dude, I'm I'm gonna eat outside if that if you're your all right. analogies are the best in the game, man. Best in the game. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Is uh, our boy Josh here? Not yet. Oh no, yeah, yeah, there he is. Oh, perfect, nice. perfect time. We'll get, uh, yeah, we'll get his thoughts on <laughs> this entire situation uh, once he's once he's there. Now joined by the Athletics, Joshua Cloak. How you doing, Josh? What's up, guys? Sorry, I'm late. Uh, I don't have anyone to blame but myself. <laughs> <laughs> I have no, I have no child here. I have no. No things to do. Uh, Are you still in mourning like us about last night or what? Uh, no, not not really. You, I think over the past few years, I've kind of become numb to these things. <laughs> no, I, I, it's obviously... I mean, are, are we talking, we're, we're obviously talking about the Leafs, right? Or are we talking... I, both, honestly, at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, I, I just, I, <laughs> I'm a fan of other things. I'm a fan of, of a bunch of, you know, teams and bands or whatever. And I love being a fan and I can't imagine a more excruciating fan experience than being a fan of the Leafs right now. I mean that like I, you wake up today and it's just like, I, I can't imagine like, is this what it was like to be a Chicago Cubs fan? Is this what it was like? I mean it. Like it, we are, we are yeah, Red Sox. Yep, yep. Really entering that that kind of realm of the belief that like this team can can really, really, really do no good. Uh, and it's oh man, I I can't imagine like to be a real fan. Um, I, I have like we all do. I have a group chat with a bunch of you know high school buddies who are all very loyal Leafs fans and like you know. There's just sadness there today. <laughs> it's just sad. It's not just anger. sad. Not anger. Yeah. Sadness. And like, that's, uh, I don't know. I guess I kind of find it strangely entertaining. It's all, <laughs> all part of the experience. I mean, I'm watching the Ken Burns uh, baseball doc because it got remastered into 4K. And the Leafs remind me of the Brooklyn Dodgers, man. Like, people loved that team and they like they would go to world series and just lose spectacularly oh world series that's nice yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's nice well <laughs> kudos to you for having uh three years on your hands to get through ken burns baseball oh it's so good man it's <laughs> so it is, good it is, it is, it is, i it's uh it is good anyway mm-hmm. uh, well let's move on to I guess it's not really a happier topic. Uh, <laughs> Josie Altidore and uh, his Toronto FC future. What are your thoughts on what's been playing out, I guess, really since preseason and, and that U.S. men's national team camp where it came out that, uh, you know, Toronto FC might be looking to move Josie Altidore. And then obviously it's uh, really come to come to the fore again recently. I mean, if I'm being honest, I don't know if this is just something that, that started in preseason. I think this is something that has kind of been lingering over this team for years. Like I go back to when Josie Altidore's contract was signed in February, uh, 2019. Um, you have, you're coming off, um, obviously a very, very disappointing TFC season. 
Um, you've lost Sebastian Javinko, um, which, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe that was the right thing to do because, you know, I, I'm a big believer that, I mean, as you guys know, in playing young players and maximizing youth and you have to get wary of, of players, you know, being injured as they get older. Um, moving on from Victor Vasquez was the right move at the time. Like, I, I'm a believer that if a club in any sport is not trending upwards, then it, it's best to just kind of cut ties and, and hit refresh sooner rather than later. Um, and I remember... Um, in doing the reporting for uh, Come On You Reds, I remember one of the things that, that stuck out was Tim Bezbachenko saying one mistake that he believed past regimes with TFC made was kind of capitulating to fan interest and making decisions based on how they thought they would play out with fans. And Bezbachenko said that was something they never tried to do with TFC. Resigning Josie Altador felt like a move that was done to appease fans, both yep. because of the loss of Joe or because of the loss of Sebastian Javinko. Uh, you, you want to save face, and this was very much a Bill Manning led signing. The trouble with that is you're three weeks off, a month off, hiring a new GM, and if you don't allow that new GM, Ali Curtis, to kind of have a say. In or, or you, you do allow them to have a say, but it, you know if you don't allow like everyone to kind of work together and work on the same path when it comes to huge club signings, you are sure to create troubles down the road. Mm-hmm. You couple all that with a player that is injury prone. You couple all that with a player that has a history of, um, you know thinking about himself, and and he does a remarkable job at. at winning fan interest. Um, and he's at his best. He's an incredible goal scorer. And I think if Jose Altador is healthy and motivated, there are a few goal scorers like him in MLS, but this whole thing seemed like it was going to be an issue from the start. This is not to me that the warning signs did not appear in preseason. You know what I mean? So that's a long answer to a short question, but I, I guess we shouldn't, we shouldn't be surprised by what's happening right now. Right on. And Josh, speaking of injuries, um, you asked a very good question to Chris Armas uh, in last press conference, and that was why you know, the Venezuelan Soccer Federation were the ones to disclose the Efferson Soteldo injury so close to a Toronto FC match. In general, like we think back to you know even the Pozuelo situation, have the club done themselves any favors in the way that they've handled injury? disclosure i guess sort of this season or is that just a non-issue for you oh no it's it's a it's a definite issue for me um and it's an issue for me because we just as as media members are at a serious disadvantage with the club being in florida um and and we have access to the team you know once a week uh and then you know after games and and I'm sure there are people saying, well, boo-hoo, like poor media, like you guys can figure out how to do your jobs. But we were able to tell better stories and provide better coverage and report on this team more accurately um, because we had access to training and because Greg Vanny was always forthright about injuries. Um, And we could see when players weren't reporting for training and there was more 
of an accountability there. And I think that yep. accountability has kind of been lost. Um, and I think that it's been difficult to report on this team. It is because the best reporting is done is, you know, when you have, it's not even about access. It's just having conversations with yep. players and management. And there seems to be a move kind of away from that this year. And so the question I thought, I mean, I was surprised. I think I was fifth or sixth in the queue and I was surprised it it didn't get asked. I mean, it's just, why did things happen in the way that they did with the announcement of that injury? Why? And, and Chris Armas's answer was, well, I didn't have that information until after the media availability on the Thursday. Okay. Like, does the club not? Hold on. I got, I got the quote here. Um, and he says, let's face it, guys. This isn't intramural soccer. When you get information about a player, you don't rush to the media. You don't call for a press conference to let the opposition know one of your best players is out. So there's almost two sides of it. I know everyone wants the information, but one, we didn't have it when I did media. And two, it gets the next day. We were putting that out, you know? Anyway, okay. Anyway, how it gets out there, and then everyone, like you're asking, like, are we holding back the information? At least it sounds that way, but we didn't. We didn't. So I think that almost should go without saying. But it's like people think expect us to run and reveal every. Should I call Caleb Porter and let him know? Hey, just so you know, as you're preparing, so tell those out. Think about it, Josh. Think about it. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and listen, this is a, this is, this is a byproduct of the zoom press conference era that I think we're all looking forward to moving past is mm-hmm. that could have been a conversation between like the media and, and Chris and it's difficult. Chris Armas comes in um, and I don't think any of us in the TFC press corps have met Chris Armas. <laughs> that's true you know you've never been able to have conversations with him and and i i'm trying not to compare everything to to greg vanny but his stature kind of looms large but you know greg was always forthcoming about um information if you asked it in a in a in a smart manner um and all that did was just create kind of it it took away the fear that, you know, that, that the club might have about like, how are we going to be reported on? Um, it took away the fear of, you know, Greg invited questions. And, and what I'm just finding now is the club um, has not made it as easy as I'm sure we would have hoped to report, you know, in a real interesting and, and kind of accurate way on on the club lately there's a lot of there's a lot of like I said there's a lot of fear and and like when Chris kind of says that you, you just wish you would have had an opportunity to have more of a conversation to be like I, yep. I don't think there's an insinuation that that you know the media believes you're withholding information but maybe if you could walk us through your thought process we could report on that mm-hmm. you know it's not that you know we we want to put it, it all actually, it's funny. Like I, I remember growing up and kind of studying journalism. I was always fascinated by the way that, that, that soccer was reported on in England, because it just seemed like if there was one little juicy bit of information, it turned it into this huge kind of spectacular yeah. 
thing. And I'm like, that sounds terrible. Like, yep. that, and I, I it, in a way, it feels like we're slowly moving towards that because, and it's not even about an access thing. Again, it's not an access. Yeah. It's the inability to have conversations and constantly learn information. Like we get access to this team once a week and you have a stockpile list of questions mm-hmm. and you, you know, you, you can't. You get one, maybe two questions if you're lucky. So I understand why Chris Armas is maybe defensive with me because I asked the question in that way. Um, it was a lot different. And again, boo-hoo, poor media, right? I get it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were able to go to the training grounds, even on regen days, and ask questions. You just gather and just report in a much more educated manner. And I don't, I don't think a lot of people feel like they have the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I really hate the, the poor media aside because in a perfect system, I mean, the media is responsible for getting eyeballs on your product. So to be adversarial against them, you know what I mean? I just, I, I, I have a pro, I just don't like the, the, the poor media thing. And I'm not, it's not that you said it. It's just, I hate it as a retort from well, the powers well, that be like. Chris doesn't know us either, right? Like mm-hmm. we haven't met Chris, but Chris hasn't like, and, and I get that. Like I, yeah. would, I would be naturally kind of distrustful uh, of someone like just, just sorry, but like this, does, does Chris Armas know what any of us look like? Are we just yeah, no. voices? I yeah, disembodied that. ringtones, yeah. yeah. It's a very weird process. Uh, so I, I don't know what the answer is yet, but I think that... I think that the dis... I think there's a lot of kind of... Um, I don't know. There's there's My sense is there's a lot of finger-pointing going on within the club right now. Um, because of the poor results, because of uh, the continued drama mm-hmm. that's kind of happening off the field. Um, and, you know, I, I do think that just if, if, the, if the team wants to kind of move forward in a positive way um, and to kind of decrease that, that kind of finger pointing, I, I think, a, a, I don't even want to say allowing the media, but giving the media an opportunity to report more in an in-depth manner because that's what we're lacking right now. We're, yep. we, again, it feels like that kind of English tabloid way where you get one little piece of information and then you take it much further than you should yep. take it because you don't have the conversations that allow you to become educated about the club that you want to report about in an educated manner. Yeah. It's also a perfect storm of frustration, right? The team is frustrated media are frustrated fans are frustrated um you know you were there so i'm gonna ask you directly uh people are saying that this is the new 2012 and i mean if you look at the if you look at the stats right 2012 we got zero points from 30 at the the outset uh you know right now we're at uh, five points from a possible 21 uh, you know, I'm always like, well, we also had a really slow start in 2017. Uh, so I guess my question is, is, are we, are we in the new 2012 or is this, you know, pandemic aside, just speaking about results on the field? I never thought TFC were going to be a playoff team this year. Okay. Mm. I never, I, I, I never thought they had 
I, I thought there was a lot of things working against them. And it kind of reminded me of like the 20, it would have been the 2017 Blue Jays where everything has to break right. A lot of things had to go right for this TFC team. And I looked at it and I said, you have a team, new manager, so there's going to be a learning curve there, a new manager that's asking a team to play a drastically different style, a style that requires a ton of running with a veteran team in the Florida heat. <laughs> when you look at all those things adding up, Again, I don't like it feels like a bit of a perfect storm, but should we not have seen this coming in a way? Um, so is it 2012? There's shades of Aaron Winter there, I guess, because, you know, I, this is a uh, Aaron Winter was very, I don't want to say stubborn, but he believed in his approach. And, and I like the idea. I do. I like the idea of a team that runs and is aggressive and is entertaining and plays like kind of a high throttle, exciting brand of football. I like that. Um, I don't think you have the personnel to do that right now. And it, it feels kind of like a band-aid situation. So again, I don't, I don't think anybody should be surprised. I think, I think people were surprised in 2012, like because there was a bit of talent on that roster, and you had you had players, you had Cooperman's. Um, I don't think anybody should be surprised. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you think they're a playoff team? Nope. I I do think they're a playoff team. I I think this team is the highest spending club on paper, um, and I think you know they were up, up until four matches last season. They had four matches remaining. And they had a 60% chance at winning the Supporters' Shield, according to 538. So I absolutely think there's no reason why this team shouldn't be a top seven team in the Eastern Conference. Um, and dating back to 2012, just looking back at it, they finished with 23 points that season. Five wins. This is, this is not that team. There's, there's 27 games left in the season. Every game they've been in an MLS, except for that New York Red Bulls game, they were in it. And, you know, they arguably played good enough to win against Orlando, arguably played good enough to win against Columbus in the second half, at least. So I think, and this team also hasn't dressed any, all three of their designated players for one match this season. I agree with and you. And Jonathan Osorio has only played 84 minutes this season. I, I agree with you, and I, I, and I do. Um, the, the designated player one is a big one. Again, if Josie Altador is one of your designated players, that's a, that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> I look at, and I agree, we, we haven't seen enough of Jonathan Osorio, who still remains one of the better players on this club. Um, my concern is that when you, and I know it's just a very kind of introductory stat, but when you look at some of the, the underlying numbers, like their expected goals, they're not underperforming. They're kind of right where they should be. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think, and, and again, like expected goals do not dictate, you know, uh, the way a club should be viewed. It's one part of it. But I look at that and I say, if this team was underperforming, right? If they were, if they weren't converting on their chances, then that's another thing. Right? Then you say Sateldo's gonna start putting them in. Uh, it's gonna happen. But they're then it's not like they're being, you know, both goals and against. It's kind of right where according to the models I've looked at, it's right where they should be. And that's really concerning. 
Yeah, I don't disagree there, but does that those those numbers change when you have Alejandro Pozuelo as your number ten? Yes, they should. But then the argument again, and I know we're we're turning this to move back and forth, but that's good. Um, <laughs> I guess this is <laughs> the, are are you not too reliant on Alejandro Pozuelo then? Are you? That's not, a fair question. That's a very fair that? question. Well, when Pozuelo comes and look, the team looked drastically different when he was on the pitch. Mm-hmm. They looked so, so, so much better. That's a lot of pressure to put on one player coming off an injury, not getting any younger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know what, again, and, and anyone who has seen, you know, half of a tweet from me knows this is coming. Like, it's strange to me that after, what, four or five games, the whole play your kids thing just went out the window. I look at at some of the options that they have. Like, why has Ralph Prizo kind of been um, resigned to a bench role? Because Oro, Oro center mid, (laughs) center. So I, I I, honestly, I don't care that he's sixteen. Why is Jaquiel Marshall Reddy not playing? Thank you. Why is Jaden Nelson not like? Being, if you're going to play like a 4-4-2 attacking, like why is Jaden Nelson not getting a chance to just run? These mm-hmm. players run. They're mobile. They don't have nagging injury concerns. I've been <laughs> told Jaden Nelson could be the fastest player on this Toronto FC team, and we haven't been able to see that yet. We haven't I, been able to see that yet. I, you have, you know, you have a number of veterans who are slowly getting used to life under a new coach after having Vanny Ball drilled in them. You have young players that are just eager to impress and will do what is asked because they want to play. They deserve to play. Again, I I know anybody that, that reads my stuff is probably getting sick of me saying this, but this is a big part of why Chris Armas was, was brought in, but it feels, it does like, now, one of Manny's faults was that he sometimes trusted the wrong players and he trusted these hardened MLS veterans that at best could do a job. I think that the the upside with Jaquiel, Jaden, Ralph, even Noble. I know Noble is, is, is not a runner and maybe doesn't work as well. Um, he probably, he'd work, uh, he deserves a shot considering what Aro is doing at center midfield. <laughs> like the fact that that he has just abandoned, it seemingly abandoned that to me is is cause for concern. Well, anyone who is you know looking to be cheered up by this week's show <laughs> is most definitely uh, not uh, not in that state. But I, I did want to switch gears a little bit because uh, the Canadian men's national team, of course, have a couple of big games coming up and. Your thoughts on on the squad they called in, and you know the coming months, which is a massive summer for the program between Gold Cup and, of course, the the qualifiers as well. I've been saying it, and, and I have to stick with it. This team should qualify for the World Cup. I, I'm I'm a believer. I'm a believer in in high end talent, and if you have high end talent, if you have game breaking talent. Um, that should be enough. Uh, I do. And, and this team has, it, it's not as if you have a new coach. John Herdman has been here for a while now. 
John Herdman knows how to connect with these players. John Herdman has the, the experience to have seen which players work best in, in certain situations. And again, I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but I don't think Alfonso Davies is going to play left back. I think he's going to be used in more of an attacking role. He's kind of this experience that you've been afforded as, as, as head coach, John Herdman, you have to be able to use that to your advantage. And I think, I think he will. I think you're going to see players be used in different situations. And I don't think you're going to see like, you know, kind of risky, you know, four, two, two, two setups that you did against the United States. I think you're going to see more of a kind of cohesive, formation and more of a cohesive plan, more of a, a kind of a standard starting 11. Um, what gives me confidence is I don't know how much pressure there is on this team, right? Mm -hmm. Pressure on some of the other conflict half nations to qualify. There's, if, if you allow your best players, because you could argue they have just as much raw talent as any other team outside of Mexico in CONCACAF. Mm -hmm. Let these players play. Figure out their best positions and let them play with the kind of freedom and the, the they, this team doesn't have the burden of expectation, right? This, you know, it's, this, there's no, you know, comparing them to TFC, for example, there's no lingering kind of failures, right? Yep. Let them play. Figure out their best position, which he's had a few years to do, and let the talent speak for itself. That, and that's why I don't think – that's why I do think this team should get as close as possible and should probably qualify for 2022. And it's exciting. Yeah, yeah that is the, exciting. The, the Suriname game is almost a perfect coaching challenge for John Herdman because you have this team that's done a whole bunch of recruiting and brought in a bunch of, like, Eredivisie players. So on paper, like, all of a sudden the, the difference between the two sides are, is becomes marginal. Well, not, maybe not marginal, but it becomes a lot closer. So then it comes down to how do you set up your team, the the culture he's been building through all these years. So that's going to be a fascinating game for me, I think. You know, it's obviously one that, like you said, Canada should win fairly comprehensively, but it could be a tricky game. And again, it comes down to what Herbman's built here in terms of how they fare in that match. Yeah, and, and again, like to me, it just comes down to whether he, he, can, he can make adjustments on the fly. But I look at that. I look at his bench. I look at his his depth. Um, mm -hmm. You could say there are some holes in the back, but I, I don't think we're ever going to, um, you know, I, I don't think we're ever going to have a, a, a men's national team that, you know, we're not asking questions about the back. But <laughs> this team should be able to outscore opponents. Uh -huh. I, you know, I, 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 I guess I just feel as well like we've, we've kind of talked, we've talked a lot about this core and Davies and David, and they have, they have attacking options, they have exciting options, um, and and I don't even think this is a matter of like now it's the time to to do it. Now is the time to just 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 play and just play with the freedom. That's money. Yeah, and the confidence that you've been afforded with the success that you've had in your European leagues, mm -hmm. you know, like you have to allow Alfonso Davies to have more of a voice in the room. You have to allow Jonathan David to have more of a voice in this room. Now is the time to just let these players grow and just 
be like embrace your identity as just an exciting, fun, young team. Don't overcoach them. Just, just play. Right. And I think you're going to, you could probably win a lot more fans that way. Too, right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think we'll, I think we'll let you go there, Josh, but thank you so much for uh, joining the show this week. Oh, anytime guys. Yeah. Thanks awesome Josh. You, Josh. Yeah. Take it easy guys. Wow. So a lot to unpack there from, from Josh Cloak, uh, a lot of great stuff and, and points. I, I thought it was one of the things that was definitely interesting for me was the whole media thing. And um, I, I, yeah, I definitely agree with him. And I think it, it goes back to the conversation we were having today. Even like, even when I was listening to to Jeff talk about the Josie Altador situation, just to single out one example, you know, I'm like, he's making a lot of, you know, he's reading a lot between the lines. He's making a lot of things, but like, the club, like, what else is he going to do? Because we exactly almost I mean, I'm no trying... information on this. He's trying to piecemeal together a bunch of different little tidbits of information that were being given. Obviously, you know, there's some stuff that is always going to be kept internal, but it just seems like this year. And again, it could be the Zoom disconnect. It could be a bunch of different things, but it does kind of feel like we're, you know, we're working with breadcrumbs this year to try and put together the, this story about Toronto FC. Well, two points I want to make yeah. on that is that this this is coming down from the the front office. This is Bill Manning, Ali Curtis. They've said they've been on record quite a bit saying that they want to keep things close to their their chest. There, they they want to keep things in house, um, which is fine if you want to approach it that way. But you also have to understand is that's going to come with a lot of speculation, as as we as we do a lot on this show. Um, <laughs> second, secondly, is Josie Altador and his he hasn't spoken to media once this year. I've yeah. said this on our Twitter spaces. We've spoken to Michael Bradley more times than I could probably count, but we have never spoken to Josie Altador this year. The club is not I don't know if Josie doesn't want to speak to media. I don't know if the club doesn't want him to speak to media, but there are question marks there. The last time Josie Altador actually spoke to media was I think September of last year, and he did media availability once, maybe twice last season, all of last season. So that's this is where the all the speculation comes from because we're not hearing from the club itself at least directly from the club and we're not hearing directly from Josie Altador. So there's no real way of we'd know the exact story all the details um without hearing from either party. So I mean if if they that's the way they want to go about it fine but as long as you understand that there is going to be lots of speculation that comes with it. Mhm. I think and, you have uh, to. Nobody, nobody gets to own their narrative. The second that you're mm-hmm. that you're going concern in the public sphere, that's when you've sacrificed a certain measure of owning your own narrative, uh, and and trying to trying again trying to have your cake and eat it too is a fool's errand. Um, you know, there I think there is some truth into what they've been dangling in front of us, which is tactics and gamesmanship. And you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, go into a poker match and say, "Well, I, I don't, my my hand sucks, but I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna bluff you all the same." But I do think it's become a crutch. We don't, yeah. know, we do not deserve to own to to know everything, but this is now gone into an opposite extreme. And, and- uh, like 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 uh, like the comment just now, reporters got to report. Um, and if you give us nothing, you know, that the, the people that we're beholden to, uh, you know, the people on the WTR forums and the, and the wider TFC land, they're going to speculate 
in ways that are so far beyond the measured approach that we're trying to bring here. You know, it forces us to to go there. Unfortunately, when 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 because it is it, it is like one big flat circle. So anyway. yeah, um, I guess you know I've I've been in every TFC media scrum this year. Um, a lot of it is due to you know the the situation that we're living that we're living in. It's, it's a pandemic. They're in Florida, um, so they're kind of doing what they can from that standpoint. It's just it's tough because again we're living in a global pandemic. So how much can you really fault them for that? But yeah, I, can't, I don't. Trans- I, I want. Yeah. It's an issue with transparency in general. Um, Alejandro Pozuelo, his injury, for example, Chris Armas on April twenty second. Alejandro Pozuelo suffered his injury on April one, April first. So on April twenty second, Chris Armas told us that Alejandro Pozuelo was very close to coming back. Alejandro Pozuelo told us yesterday, or when we spoke to him after the game, that the doctor told him that he would be out for about 10 weeks. Is April 22nd close to 10 weeks after his injury? Is that very close? I I think it's really important. It's it's an issue Uh, of fear, right? Yeah. This this team, you're fearing the opposition knowing that your players are going to be out. Like Orlando City told us that Nani and Alejandro or Alexander Pato are going to be out. Mm-hmm. It's just this team should have that swagger to know that yes, we can tell you that our guys are going to be out, but our team is still good enough to go out there and beat you. It's you know yeah, it's like it, you're playing a chess match out of fear. Mm-hmm. I got it in the early season again. Like the secrecy totally made sense to me during the Club Leon series. Yeah. I think that was actually something that helped Tron FC in a big way and helped them get through. But like you said, at this point, it's a mentality thing. Like you should be good enough that you can beat. Like the the difference between and I know you want to have every advantage that you can, but the difference between beating a side should not be whether or not they're scouting you, thinking you have Pozuelo and not. Like that little video thing should not be the difference between consistently beating teams. Like that. That's fear. That, Sure, yeah, but, sure. Yeah. I, I, guys, I think it's important. I do this too. Um, we always got to take a step back and and make sure that we're not judging TFC with before times logic, right? We have to allow that they are fumbling in the dark in a boardroom in a hotel in Orlando, trying mm-hmm. to figure out the Wi-Fi to get the Zoom thing set up in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I know that it sucks, and 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 it's so easy. We've, we've never had any problems with that. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and it's so it's so easy to apply before times logic, and they're going to fail every time. If you apply before times logic to this club and how, and their goings mm-hmm. on, they're going to fail miserably one hundred percent of the time. So we have to we have to allow for that margin. I mean, fair is fair, criticism is fair, and let's let's keep on the crit- the criticism train. But I always, you know, sometimes the temptation to like jump that scale right into a totally unreasonable expectation is just, it's, it's so strong. I do it myself. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it's important for me to consistently remind that because, you know, the team is not, the team is not, uh, you know, shield, uh, uh, covering themselves in glory right now. And, uh, you know, we're going to be critical, but I, it's really important to me to, to consistently stress that we take that step back. Right. Uh, not, that's really all I wanted to say. I also wanted to kind of in that vein, like bring up a point I wanted to make on, I know you guys were talking about whether or not this was the 2015 season or sorry, 2012 season, 2012 season. To me, it seems a lot more 2015 where Toronto is <laughs> just over-relying on one player. 
yeah, Orlando Pozuelo to like they were on Sebastian Javinko that season to really get them to the playoffs. I think they go as far as Alejandro Pozuelo takes them at this current moment with the current squad and what we've seen of them. I do think there's the ability to be much better than this, but with the team they have right now and what they've shown through this what, seven plus four, 11 game sample size in all competitions, mm-hmm. this to me looks like a team that again is, is heavily reliant on what Pozuelo can do. And if he can have another close to MVP season, then they're a playoff team. If not, then um, they're really on the bubble. Well, 2015, are they a playoff team that gets trounced by Montreal three nothing off the back of a DDA drug by super <laughs> game? Like, correct? You know? Matt, yeah. I'll go as far as saying maybe it's a hot take or not. I think when all these pieces are healthy, I think when they have, I mean, maybe not Josie Altador, but when they have Jefferson Soteldo, Alejandro Pozuelo, Jonathan Osorio all in the lineup, I think they could be the best team in Major League Soccer. I really do believe that. And that's because I believe how good Pozuelo is. That's because I believe how good Soteldo is. And that's because this exact same team has proven in the past. If you think about the additions that this team made to their Mm -hmm. roster, it's Kamar Lawrence, who, I mean, we know what he can do. He's a very good player. He makes that TFC backline a lot more stable. And then Mm -hmm. also Dom Dwyer as a luxury off the bench. This roster well. is <laughs> well. <laughs> this roster is this roster is arguably, arguably even better than it was last season, and like we said, they were four games away from winning a supporter shield. Mike, I'll take it one one step further. Why can't we be the Sounders? I mean, we get compared to them all the time. <laughs> Why can't we be the Sounders? Like we can suck all the way to the summer transfer window and then just have a run right to MLS Cup. Glory. I think There's, I think it's in the cards. You know, I think and all signs point to yes. If we come back to BMO in June, I mean, that's a shot of, uh, in the arm for everyone. That's going to paper over a hell of a lot of cracks. So, you know, in the same way that that potentially being in Orlando has turfed the beginning of the year, you know, you can hold out hope that that the reverse will hold true for the second half of the year. And that makes a huge difference, right? Is something we often overlook is the fact mm. that this team is not playing at home. Huge it's different. Yeah, massive. Yeah massive 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 difference i mean look at how they wilted in orlando you know in in their home ground becoming hostile right i mentioned it on our on our spaces show you know if they've had a bad day at the office in florida where everybody can go to senior frogs and get wasted at like (laughs) four in the afternoon almost again you know (laughs) and then and then uh and then called their 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 wives and kids at home and and expect you know, to be propped up, but instead get like dragged into the muck of whatever Doug Ford said, or, or, you know, this and that nonsense, like it's coming from all sides. You know, these are not as, as, as much as we'd like to believe that they are the brass statues that we'll make of them later. They're human beings with, with feelings and thoughts and moods and all that other nonsense that, that makes us fallible. So legitimate reasons, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Like there are still fixable issues with this team. Like that doesn't being away from home. Yeah, being away from home doesn't excuse Chris Armis's decision making. They're putting Aro Junior at central midfield for the third straight game when you have other natural central midfields on the roster. Absolutely. I mean, he can say whatever. Like Pep Guardiola, he has Pep Guardiola midfielders. (laughs) Like you're not. It's a. No offense to you, Chris Armas, but you're not Pep Guardiola, so that reference doesn't really add up. Two, TFC is not Manchester City, and they don't have the players that Manchester City have. Aro Jr. is not not the equivalent of Kevin De Bruyne playing (laughs) a 
Pulse Nine. It's it's yeah. not the same. No, nope. and see, it hasn't been working out. It 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 hasn't been working out. It's okay. there are better options there at central midfield. That, <laughs> so yeah. also Remember? the Alex Bono and Quinton Westberg dilemma. Why is why is Quinton Westberg not given a start in the first eleven matches of the season? Is this team being set up for the success? And that does nothing to do with home field advantage. Okay. When Ryan came to work for us, one of his first articles for WTR was comparing the Armas hire with Klopp at Liverpool. And if you go back on Twitter and look at the tweets when, when Klopp had his first season at Liverpool, they wanted to fillet him. I mean, they were like, I can't believe my team made this, made this decision. Uh, what the hell is wrong with Liverpool? You know, there is a certain modicum of patience that we need to have for an aggressive system such as this. Now, do we do we put our faith in Armas for, for a season and a half and six more transfer windows and then we eventually sack him and our team is the Red Bulls? Or, you know, th- this is these are the things that we have to deal with. The fact of the matter is I'd like to think the front office considered all of this. They knew they, they knew that they weren't playing from home. They knew that uh, they were playing in the Orlando Heat. They knew that they were off the back of a whole year of doing this. Uh, you know, Vanny didn't leave at the opportune time, but when is there ever an opportune time? Uh, you know, I would take, I would take a full season of Armas square peg round holing into oblivion over the knee jerk uh, regime changes that we used to experience here and that are par for the course in like the Brazil Premier League and stuff like that, where, where coaches last four or five games before there's a there's a turnover. I think you know. But you have to be smart about it, and and uh, we can argue about whether whether they're they're going to be smart about it or whether they can see the forest for the trees. I think it's a way too early for the Armas out calls. Way too early for the Armas out calls. We bet on this horse for better or worse. We need to see it through to some sort of completion. Well, let's let's finish up the show very quickly, just talking about Canada. <laughs> no no my... one wants to. No one wants <laughs> to go off that. No, I just ended the show. Oh, yeah, no, ended the show. I, I mean, if you if you want me to just comment quickly on it, is that James Grossi was on our show, and he told us even when talking about Greg Vanny, he said sometimes it takes two years, up to two years, for a coach to really see what a coach's vision because they're really inheriting a roster from before that wasn't really made for them. So I do believe that this team will get a lot better. Um, I do believe the pieces that Chris Armas has brought in so far and Ali Curtis have brought in have been really good additions to this squad. I think every piece so far that they've brought in has, has shown that they can not only compete, but even be a starter on this team when it's given the right opportunity. Um, so I think, yes, we do give Chris Armas absolutely a longer leash, but that doesn't mean we can't ask hard questions along the way. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. These hard, and if these hard questions continue to pile up, then the questions will get harder and harder. And if you're if you're making decisions that simply you know don't make sense, like the fact that Richie Larea playing higher up the field is like a revelation. It's like an epiphany. Oh my God, Richie Richie Larea can can play higher up the field. That's that's something interesting. Like, what do you mean? Have you not seen TFC the past year? Exactly. We're making a lot of assumptions. Like that could have just, I mean, you were there, so I trust your assumptions. But at the same time, I, I... like maybe it was word salad, you know. A lot of us went okay, went but perhaps. But regardless, mm. 
when Richard Larea moved higher up the field, did it not all of a sudden work? Yeah. Like, yeah, surprise, yeah. surprise. Like, Aro's yeah. better at right back. Richie Larea's yeah, better you, at right wing. Mark Delgado's better at center mid. Is that a surprise to anybody? It isn't. It isn't. But, you know, on WTR, people are like, well, you know, he said once we have two number one goalies, so we better hang him by his toenails because he's not playing Q. Like, I do not want to be held to that standard. You know, if I said in, nine, you know, eight years ago, <laughs> That, that you know, I, I was thinking about buying a puppy and then people are like, well, you never bought that puppy. So you're you're you know, you're a liar like that. that that's just that's an impossibly high standard to hold someone to. There's a very good chance that when he said it, he meant it. And then he saw something that changed that. Like he doesn't owe us a dear diary entry for every decision. That I he think makes. he owes and the I fans that. Mm hmm. I th especially when you consider the fact that Quinton Westberg was his number one goalkeeper the past two seasons. I think if he wants to do any favors with himself with the fan base, mm -hmm. then you do owe the fan base an explanation for why you're making a different decision than what the fan base was used to the past two seasons. I think you'll do yourself well, a favor a, if you give not, an honest answer with that. He's not Greg Vanny, so already that, that explains why he's making different decisions than Greg Vanny, right? Like, I don't think he needs to come out and say, well, I'm not paying, you know what I mean? Like, but what if the answer is I hate him and he smells? Like, I don't want to know that. What? You know what if I that's mean? the answer, then you shouldn't be the coach. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I, that's fair. But what if the answer is as petty as that? Like, I, I think it's more damage for, you know, or, or if the answer is as petty as that, then there's bigger questions we need to ask. <laughs> sure. But what coach in the universe is going to put himself in that kind of a position of vulnerability? Like, well, you know, let me let me tell you the the act the real reason why I don't like Q is he parked in my spot, you know, at the BMO training ground and he wouldn't move his car. Like it could you know what I mean? Like I don't <laughs> want to really. know that. But I don't want to know that. Like <sighs> I don't know. I think the so, you're, again, so the coach is protecting himself because he knows it's a dumb decision. Is that what you're saying, essentially? No, but but I'm saying I'm saying that the margins for us, the fans, who are usually like, I mean, there are fans that are like, I don't care what it costs in a pandemic year. You should buy out Josie right now and get a new DP immediately, and that DP should be Lionel Messi, and I will accept no <laughs> substitute. Right? Like, you know, Chris has to answer to that. That's even dumber than than the the Richie Larea comment about you know him, him being a revelation on the wings, right? That comes from a place where there's a tacit refusal to understand how MLS works, right? Like any you know, just 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 shoot him into the sun. Like forget about the fact that it's a pandemic year, and if MLSE spends millions of dollars, like just lights it on fire, it's a PR disaster for everyone involved and the expectation that they're even going to consider that is so is so is so from space it belies all reason right so so i don't think when you say answer to the fans that's the lion's share of the fans that they you know they want their they want their pound of flesh that's the lion's share of the fans on twitter well that's the fan that's not the, you know they're, <laughs> no get out of here that's not even right, close right. to the entire right, fan fine. base right okay i, I think agree anybody, with you i agree with you but, i think anybody but, who's watched this team the past two years is wondering why isn't Quentin Westberg given 100%. at least a shot, right? 100%. And if your, answer, if your answer is Alex Bono has, has been playing well, then, like, I mean, we're not dumb. Like, yeah, no, Alex Bono's right, been right. playing you're... outstanding. Like, <laughs> is he playing that, that well? Is, is it the fact that, you know, maybe Alex Bono is younger? Does he want to give him more of a run of play to get himself acclimated? Is it the fact that um, they want to sell him, and he and he's costing them a lot. So put him. Well, in no, the you shop can't. Say, you can't say that. But exactly, perhaps, you can't say, say that. 
perhaps you say, you know, Alex Bone was a bit younger and we want to get him the, the experience because he's a proven winner in the past, something like something along those lines. Um, mm-hmm. And then maybe say, you know, he said the right thing with Quinton Westbrook. We're two number one goalkeepers. But I'm sure, you know, Quinton yes, Westbrook will. probably has questions <laughs> and whatnot. Like it's it's a very fine line you gotta you gotta tread, but as you said, like you don't you wouldn't want to be held to that standard. The reality is is that it's out there. It's mm-hmm. printed. Yeah. It's, there's video evidence of you saying that. Of you saying, for example, Pozuelo's very close on April twenty second, and right, the doctor's do- coming out and telling Pozuelo that he's going to be out ten weeks. If we so- have that information. It's it's going to come back to bite you in the butt. And so it has, and it has, it? but 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 the fact that it's persistently, do you know what I mean? Like there, there becomes a certain point where where you cross the line into the land of the ridiculous, and I think that this 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 constant, yeah. Well, he said once, you know, in passing that he has two number one goalkeepers. Yeah, for sure, that a, always has as a slam sure. dunk. It's not the slam dunk that you think it is, right? Like for sure. it, it's so so. You know, we need to be less reactionary. Absolutely, but the club needs to do a way better job in in trying to avoid that eventuality, right? Exactly. There's that balance. Exactly. If there is a balance, one hundred percent, absolutely. I'm sure we have some great uh, Jeff clips that we can pull back from the old days of him saying some hilarious exactly. stuff. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I go show. after charities. Um, I go after charities, guys. Yeah, like, yeah, that's very. I wish I had a reset button. Like, I deserve at least five mulligans. I go after yeah. charities. I'm Remember a jerk. Remember we signed uh, Kamar Miller. Well, yeah, thanks. Yep. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. But thanks, uh, yeah. yeah, let's let's finish up very very quickly. We've gone way over time this week, but there's been a lot to talk about. Very quickly by just talking about Canada because I do think there are some very interesting notes as it relates to both Canada and Toronto FC. Of course, the main roster was released. Um, Jonathan Osorio, Richie Larea on it, as well as Loney, Liam Frazier. But I think for Toronto FC purposes, the more the more interesting part, at least recently, is the the ten players they called in to play some pre camp friendlies against Canada. Essentially, help the the main guys train, and that's a lot of young guys. And Jade Nelson. I'm getting there, Jeff. Geez, <laughs> <laughs> way to just spoil the punchline. Uh, Noble Lacello, Ralph Prizo. But there's two interesting ones, and that's Luke Singh and Io Akinola. Of course, we know Io was going to be part of that January camp pulled out through injury. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, this is kind of a do-over for that. It gives him a chance to come into this camp, play against some guys, get acclimated, see whether or not he you know, he really feels the the Canada setup. Luke Singh, what's going on there? He got called up for Trinidad. So this is an interesting one. I, I mean, I guess it's probably the same thing, like Canada's giving him an opportunity, but like he could go into Canada camp and then get cap-tied like a week later. So it's, it's a bit of a bizarre one. That's fine. Daniel Henry is about to break D-Rose record with own goals. So any center back pairing for Canada that doesn't involve the names Cornelius and Henry, I am happy with. Uh, you know, even Ryan, who's who's Trini on our on our staff, is like, no, no, he should go play for Canada. So, uh, you know, I I applaud it. Uh, we 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 need depth at center back, but uh, I, I wonder what Mike thinks. Um. It's very interesting. Um, it'll be an audition for. It's kind of weird because it'll be an audition not for Luke Singh or Nio Akinola. It'll be an audition for John Herdman and the Canadian men's national team uh, for you know from Io Akinola and Luke Singh. Like they they want to yeah. check out what this camp's all about. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Luke Singh ended up turning down that Trinidad and Tobago call-up because he sees a potential avenue for him here to make it with the Canadian men's national team, who, in my opinion, they just have a higher pedigree with in terms of star power, in terms of overall talent on the roster, in terms of depth and whatnot. They have a better chance of of making it to the World Cup than... Mm -hmm. And a team like Trinidad and Tobago, who have done it in the past, and and you know are still capable, a capable country. Um, and Luke Singh's also someone who who has ventured uh, different places around the world, so he has that that overall experience, and perhaps maybe that would incline him more to to you know leave Canada and go somewhere else. So I, I really don't know where his head's at right now, to be honest with you. is um, That's something I'm interested to seeing, and I'm interested to see how this all unfolds. Um, great victory for Canada for getting both of them into their camp, even though it is Definitely, just an tr- yeah. extended trading camp. Mm-hmm. If they can get either player, even potentially both players, on board, that's just another boost for this system, because we know how... Uh, how much potential both players have. So I'm excited to see kind of how this whole thing unfolds. And it may help the fact that there's a lot of TFC youngsters there as well. Yep. You know, it's it's a culture that they're kind of building there in not only TFC, but also Canada soccer. So if these guys can come through together, if they can all play for TFC together, you know, there is that sort of uh, camaraderie there that uh, that could be appealing to Luke Singh and Iowa Canola. Yeah, I think Io's a. Sorry, I think Io's higher up the depth chart in the U.S. than he is in Canada. That's that's I don't know about that. Will Sargent, Will Sargent, and Giassi Zardes versus Josh Sargent. What what about what about Daryl DK? Plays guitar for Echo and the Bunnymen. Sorry. What about Uh, Daryl DK? He can do it in Barnsley, but can he do it at the at the Azteca on a on a hot Wednesday afternoon? Uh, Could Io Akinola? I, I think the argument I'm, would be the U.S. has more Io Akinolas. Canada might have higher quality in terms of Jonathan David. Uh, I don't. I don't think the U.S. has a Jonathan David. I'm not even sure they have a Kyle Aaron. So I think that would be the argument. But the U.S. I, I think he's lower on the U.S. depth chart just in the fact that they have significantly more. I was, I was listening extra time, and a couple of weeks ago, it was. Charlie Davies on there. I mean, Charlie Davies is a pretty regular guest and obviously mm-hmm. former U.S. Beds national team striker. And he was actually going down his depth chart for strikers. And he got to number six, I believe it was. And it was Josie Altador. I thought he had Josie I, at I, number I, one at a no. certain point. Well, okay. not, 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 not like recently, okay. like a couple weeks ago. But he actually didn't even mention Iowa So I do actually think there's not that much opportunity. And there's also the possibility that Canada goes out and Canada plays with two strikers. That's not a possibility right now with the States, with the pieces that they have around, uh, you know, their, their sort of formation there for a great card for Halter's formation. So I think opportunity wise, I think it would be better for him to, to sign with Canada right now. Um, and also, you know, coming through the ranks, is there anyone that's really, uh, highly touted striker behind Ayo Akinola, a youngster that's coming through the ranks that's a striker that's you know everyone's kind of looking forward to. Ralph Prizo's brother. Ralph Prizo, yeah. here you go. Here you go. 
Um, but he loves being referred to as Ralph Preso's brother. Yeah, yeah. That'll yes, be on yeah. his on his soccer card. I, I, Ralph I'm going to make a proclamation at some point. Ralph Preso is going to become Hugo and Bongay's brother. <laughs> hey. He's that good. Nice, <laughs> but anyway, nice, nice. TFC two talk. We love it. We love it. Actually, shout, out, shout out Garrett McLaughlin because he scored his third goal. Mm. And is he eligible for Canada? Has <laughs> many matches, and he has one assist. Eighth overall MLS Super Draft pick who plays for TFC2. So shout out the Young Reds, and I think they're back in action tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's wrap things up there. Canada in action on Saturday and then following Tuesday. So we'll have a little bit more coverage on next week's show before the decently big game against Suriname. But, uh, yeah, great to have Josh Cloak on again. Um, a lot of good stuff from him. Uh, about the club and, and everything going forward. Thanks again to Kevin, Sophia, and Edwin for the behind-the-scenes work that they do on the show each and every week. On behalf of Michael Singh, Jeffrey Pinesker, I've been Mitchell Tierney. Enjoy the international break, everyone. Uh-huh.